welcome everybody who's watching us online. And like I said, I really love the Christmas season and what it represents. The season, it's about peace and joy. It's about a promise that was made and then a promise that was fulfilled. About God making a promise to redeem mankind. And that's what it represents. I mean, if you really take a look at this, I mean, God keeps his promises. He's a good God. But, you know, there's a huge disconnect with the concept of what this season represents. I don't think that most people truly experience the concept of peace and joy on the inside. And, you know, more crimes and suicides and uh, attempted suicides and depression takes place this season than any other time of year. And if it's supposed to be so full of peace and so full of joy, why do we have so many problems in these areas? And that's because there's a disconnect on the inside. People are not connecting with the right thing. You know, church should be the answer, but it's not. And the reason why church is not the answer, because for the most part, church is full of mean, judgmental people that just want to throw stones at everybody for for doing wrong. And you know what? I'll just be honest with you. Everybody sins. I don't care how holy anybody thinks they are. Everybody does. And that being the case, it's, it's really hard because of we're that type of people, or for the most part, the church as a whole is that type of people. That's how people look at God. They think he's some mean, angry God. He doesn't smile. He's mad. He's waiting for you to do something wrong so he can pounce on you. Well, that's the farthest thing from the truth. See, God's not out to punish anybody. He sent his son to save. Psalms 2 tells us that God laughs. Most people think that thinks he doesn't even smile. Nehemiah 8 tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. He laughs. The joy is our strength. He's, he's a, he says laughter is good like a medicine. So he's about us being joyful, us laughing and having a good time. The Bible says when Jesus showed up that, that kids from all over would just come around. They'd sit on his lap and want to be with him. And, and, and he was kind of like a kid magnet. And, you know, if you were a hateful person, a kid wouldn't want to be around you. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, he, so every, every action that I've done, everything that I've done is just like the Father. So if I'm exactly like God, kids come up to me. So, so God can't be this mean, angry, hateful person that the church has portrayed. The central theme of Christmas is joy. That's why we have songs like joy to the world, you know. There's, it's full of joy. And, and the thing of it is, is, is well, there's no connect there. When I take a look at the Christmas story, I mean, it, it just really blows me away. Because I look at the angel who came out, and the angel, as he was coming out, he didn't go uh, anywhere besides some shepherds. And I think about him going to the shepherds. How come he didn't go to the church? How come he didn't go to the priest? How come he didn't go to the kings? How come he didn't go to the town square and say, Jesus is coming? Why didn't he do that? And I believe it's because he finds himself in the darkest, lowliest place, the most miserable place on earth. It was a symbol of darkness. See, a shepherd wasn't a glorious job. A shepherd was something that nobody, because you had, you had sheep poop all over you. That's a pretty bad job. And not only did he go to the shepherds, but he went at night, so he went to the graveyard shift. 
So he went at the darkest hour to a dark profession to proclaim something. Now, not only was it a dark era, you know, like say as far as the jobs and everything, but they were under Roman rule, and that was a dark rulership. The Romans were evil people. I mean, they were hateful. So darkness is what Christmas is supposed to address. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'll tell you what. If all of a sudden an angel appeared, I don't care where I'm at, I'd be scared. I'd probably be changing my pants. I'm just, I'm being real because, I mean, something, boop, there it is. I mean, I don't believe in abracadabra, hocus pocus. You you know what I'm saying? And I ain't scared of no ghost because I don't believe in them. I know some people do, but I don't. The ghost I believe in is the Holy Ghost. Now, your mind can, can manufacture things and play tricks on you, and you can see things that are not really there, and I do understand that and believe that, and, and, I, and I truly get it. But if something just appears, I'd be terrified. It said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Well, think of this. Think of it. Think of it. what, what they were going through. I mean, the way you look at angels is either you watch Tom and Jerry and you see a bunch of these little naked angel babies playing hearts, a harp on the clouds, which was my generation. Or you see all these pretty little uh, angels with these wings that they put on trees. and all. When you read the Bible, what an angel looks like, he makes Thor look like a wimp. He, they look like they're ready to kill. They're, so all of a sudden, they see, the, they see this battle angel whoosh, just appear. Of course they were terrified. I mean, if it was a little cute little thing that, with a little harp, I mean, sure you'd be a little scared, but you think you could slap that thing around. But this is what they saw. And he's, do not be afraid. You know, I mean, I, I imagine him talking like Darth Vader even, you know, terrified. So do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the message that he was bringing was not righteousness. It was not holiness. It was not sanctification. It was not uh, compassion. It wasn't love. That wasn't the message he was bringing. He was bringing a message of joy to all people groups. Hmm. But see, what happens is most people confuse joy with happiness. And they're totally two different things. Totally. See, joy can bring happiness, but happiness cannot bring joy. And the reason is, is joy is a fruit of the spirit, and happiness is a fruit of your emotion. So when your emotion changes, your happiness changes. But if you can remain joyful, you can bring happiness into your life to be continual no matter the circumstances. It won't change. That's what he came to bring. And that's why so many people are confused. Everybody say happiness. Now everybody say hap. That word hap 
comes from the Latin word that means circumstance or luck. So it's all based upon a circumstance. Whether you have a good circumstance going on or a bad circumstance, all of a sudden you're, you, it, it, your, your emotions are running rampant and, and you're not happy anymore. You know, I can be happy in any situation, and that's because I have joy. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Haven't you ever seen some people that, you know, you don't know why they're happy, They've got stage four cancer. They're about ready to die. They're in, you know, they're in pain, but they're happy. Have you ever seen people like that? Those are people who have joy. Because the other person is terrified. Because his circumstance of what he's going through is, ah! He's freaking. But see, joy lasts, and, and that's what he came to to bring. The Apostle Paul wrote this, in the, or he wrote in the book of Philippians, and he, and he wrote this while he was in prison, so in his darkest hour, the whole book really was about joy. If you read Philippians, it's about joy. And when you take a look at this, how could he have joy in the middle of the prison? How when Paul and Silas, in their midnight hour, how can they have joy, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? How could they have that? Because they had what, what Christians should have on the inside That's Jesus. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Because the word Christian just means Christ follower. There are people who are following the message who are not born again. They come to church all the time. They're religious folks. Just because you come to church and call yourself a Christian does not mean you're truly a believer. Just because you sleep in your garage doesn't make you a car either. It's the truth. I've slept in the garage many times. Never turned into a Chevy, a Ford, or anything like that. But Paul tapped into joy in a dark place, in a dark hour. And the Bible tells us the world is going to get even darker as we get closer to the end. And I believe we're getting really close. Well, how do you know? Well, you know that guy that who's like the president of the United States, Trump? He declared... Jerusalem as the cat. That's a biblical prophecy. You want to know what it even made it a greater? I mean, I just spoke in tongues right there, I think. You know what made it a greater prophecy? Is when the United Nations on the 21st, just a few days ago, all went against that decision. That's the prophecy where it says, and all the nations will rise up against Israel. It's a biblical prophecy. You know, and then when I took, take a look at this, I, I started researching the United Nations and their decisions. And time and time and time again, they keep silent on issues. And I'm going to name off some issues. The United Nations goes against Israel while saying, saying nothing about these issues. The horrific war in Syria. The attempted genocide of Christians in the Middle East. The slaughter of the students in Beijing who were doing a peaceful protest in 1989. Saddam Hussein's chemical warfare against the Kurds. Those are the issues that the United Nations are supposed to be talking about. Why are they in an uproar about Jerusalem? Because we're in the end time. So the end is coming. 
So you're either going to be afraid because you're not where you're supposed to be with God, or you're going to have joy because he's your Lord and Savior. One of the two. See, America, we recognize this. That's awesome. I'm going to give you something in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 in the NIV. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People be, will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Well, we definitely see that. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, we can see all this stuff. I'm not looking for wars and rumors of wars. That's been going on. I want to talk about the four uns. The first un is ungrateful. I've I've been on this planet for 50 years, and we've become the most ungrateful people in the world. This was, at one time, the greatest nation in the world. At one time, I was very proud to serve this nation, the United States Army, and I was so proud to be in the military when Ronald Reagan was in office. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it it just, we felt like we were missionaries. We didn't feel like, you know, our president didn't have our back. But what happened was, people have gotten into entitlement. They think because the price I've paid and the other soldiers paid that they're entitled to, to all these things. That is not true. I'm not even entitled, and I paid a price. But that's our problem is we have a generation of people who think that they're entitled, and, and, and that's it, so they become ungrateful because I'm entitled to that. No, we're not. We need to be grateful for the land that we live in. We need to be grateful that we are able to worship our God any way we choose to, and not have to worry about being killed because we believe in Jesus. I'm grateful for that. The next un on the list is unholy. Now, what does that mean? That just means sin. I said everybody's got it, but unchecked sin will harden your heart. And what you have to do is you have to check your sin and put it in check, and you have, to, you, you have to allow God to turn it around from the inside out because there's no way that you can turn it around from the outside in. It doesn't work. I don't care how hard you try. It's just like joy. You can't have joy without the Holy Ghost. It just, it just doesn't happen. Then after unholy, it says without love, but in some translations it says unloving. Now, there's a bunch of unloving people around. Just go ahead and drive down 11 and and watch the guy cut you off and and think it's your fault and flip you off and everything else he does. Chase you down the street, maybe. Don't look at me like that. I made a guy mad yesterday. That's what she's looking at me for. And it was in the commons. You know that curve that goes like this where JCPenney's is? Instead of going around the curve, I decided I just wanted to cut through, and there was a truck coming through, and he was mad. He, him and his buddy were doing stuff like this. I'm like, I'm sorry. They didn't care. I mean, they, I'm sure they were speaking in tongues of men that I don't speak. They got Pentecostal on me. And so, so I just went ahead and went through, but it made me think how much anger people have. It was a mistake. People make mistakes. 
but, but, but we're unloving towards their mistakes. We're, we, I mean, what about families? I mean, families at Christmas time, some families, they have to have two separate Christmases because this sibling doesn't like this sibling. So they, so they don't have Christmas together. So say I'm the neutral per party of the, of the family. I go to this sibling's house for this party. Then I, then I go over to this one. Do you know what happens in both these situations? They're both great parties till I show up. Because as soon as I show up, now they want to talk about the other persons and why uh, they're such a bad person and blah, 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 blah. And then I leave there going, oh, great. Now I've got to go to another one of these things. And it's the same thing. It's a great party till I show up. And I hear how bad, because they know I'm the neutral party, so everybody wants to dump on me. People are unloving right now in this society. <clears throat> the last un. Unforgiving. I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is huge. I mean, the thing of it is, is if we can't forgive, how can we even believe that God forgives us? When we can't forgive the people that we see, who we come into contact with, do you really think for a moment that you're actually believing that God forgives you for all the stuff that you've done? You can't believe that. Because it's impossible to believe that. So what you have to do is you have to learn how to forgive. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice. And this is the choice. The choice is whatever you wrong me in, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to cancel it out. That means I'm never going to bring it up again before you ever in life. I'm never going to tell you again about this incident. No matter what happens later on, if we have a problem, it's not coming up again. That's forgiveness. It's a choice, not a feeling. I remember the, one of the hardest things that I had to do is I, I didn't have to. I, I, I did. I forgave some people of some really horrible things. and They were so horrible that I was willing to go to jail for murder. They were that bad. And God put me in check and arrested my heart. Lee and I, we didn't pray together for months. I mean, it was, it was a tough time in our life. We had a few tough times. But when God arrested my heart and I chose to forgive, I didn't feel like it. But as I was praying and as I was, I was saying, God, I said, I just pray for, you know, you know I name the people off. and I, I pray for your wisdom the revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding being aligned to the hope of your calling, that they know the riches of your glory, the exceeding greatness of your power that works towards us who believe. Father, I pray that you fill them with your very love and might in the fullness of your love. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that laborers go across, to their path, go across their path and minister love to them. And trust me, I did not, because the way I started the very first time I prayed for him, I said, God, I don't feel like forgiving these jokers, but I'm going to. I mean, that's how I started. But then I kept on, and every night I prayed for these guys, every night, every night, every night, and every night. And then finally I felt the burden, the heaviness lift off my heart. And when it lifted off my heart, then all of a sudden, my heart started breaking for them for real. And it was like, 
couple weeks later or something like that, I get a phone call from some of the people and uh, who were involved, and they were apologizing and wishing we would come back. And uh, I thanked them, and, and I let them go. But forgiveness is a big thing. Had I not done that, had I not let that go, it would still be on me right now. And I would be one of those judgmental, mean, hateful preachers. Talking about, you're going to hell. Ha! Ha! Y'all going to hell, you know? That's just stupid because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus came to rescue us from that. Save us. Amen? So he came in the middle of darkness. So today, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 11, continuing on, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I want you to know that Jesus' last name was not Christ. Okay? It was his title. It wasn't his name. So, it, so what does his title mean? It means this, the one who has the anointing to break the yoke of bondage on the inside of you. So what this scripture just said, it says, Today has been born to you the Christ, the one and only one who can address the garbage that's on the inside of your life. That's what that angel just said. He said, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom God's favor rests. Now, let me tell you about that scripture. Anybody ever hear peace on earth and goodwill towards men? Raise your hand if you've heard that. That's a lie. That is not what that scripture says. It, matter of fact, the Bible says nowhere peace on earth. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. So what does it just say? On earth peace, not peace on earth. So what he was saying was this, is he was saying in this chaotic world, I'm going to be able to put peace in your life so you can be the person of peace on earth. That's what that means. That means the circumstances of the world will not affect the peace that you have because the peace that I give you, the world can't give you, and the world can't take it away. Mm. Now, this is good. So you can experience peace. You can experience joy in the middle of all of your circumstances. Is that good? All right, that was the Christmas message. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for this message of joy.